0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, we are in part seven of a series that we're calling Increase, and uh, we've been talking about how if we want to see increase in certain areas of our life, we gotta, what do we got to do? You know by now, we need to increase Jesus, and we've got to decrease ourselves. It all comes from John 3.30. Hopefully, you got this memorized by now. John the Baptist, he said this. He said, he, meaning Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease and this is the principle that we want to apply to every area of our lives right lord in every area in my finances in my relationships in my marriage in my job in every area lord i want to increase you and your will and what you want and i want to decrease myself basically saying i want to get out of the way lord so you can do what you want to do because we know this we serve a god who is a good heavenly father and he wants better for you more for you than you even want for yourself and we're going to talk more about that here in just a little bit today though here's what i want to do i want to take a little bit of a different approach to our series and i want to talk about increase in waiting increase in waiting now that sounds like a strange thing right increase in waiting what exactly are we talking about i'm not talking about increase in patience Per se. I don't wanna talk about increase in endurance per se. I wanna talk about increase in waiting. Waiting is not a popular thing, right? We live in a culture of instant gratification. And if we can't have it now, <laughs> then then most people are going to throw a fit, and they're going to want to talk to the manager, right? Uh, if you live or if you work in any type of customer service, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If things don't go perfect or it get as quickly done as people want them to be done, then uh, people are pretty quick to throw a fit about it, and they want to talk to somebody in charge, right? If if Amazon can't deliver my stuff next day, then I don't want it, right? If if Walmart can't get my order together and ready for pickup in one hour, then I don't want it, right? If Chick Fil A makes me wait for four minutes instead of the usual two minutes in the drive-thru. I am going to be furious and I want a refund, right? Like that's that sounds a little extreme. That's probably not exactly accurate. But you understand what I'm saying. We want things right now. And I think it comes with technology. As, more, as technology has progressed, we've developed this thing where we, we want what we want right now. I don't want to wait for it. You better serve me and give it to me whenever I want what I want. And so here's the thing. We're going to talk about how do we increase in waiting because God's word reveals to us that the goodness of God, fulfillment in our lives, purpose in our lives, all of those things increase in us when we choose to wait, when we choose to wait. We experience more of the goodness of God. When we choose to wait, we actually have more fulfillment in our lives. When we choose to wait, we actually see more purpose develop in our lives. In fact, it's interesting, In 43 times in the Old Testament alone, we are instructed to wait on the Lord. Think about that. 43 times in the Old Testament alone, we are instructed to wait on the Lord. I would say this, it must be pretty important. We must be, um, must be to something. If we see something in, in scripture, a pattern like that in scripture, we need to start paying attention. One of the most popular verses is Isaiah 40 verse 31. I'm gonna read from the new King James. It says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here's the thing. When it comes to waiting On the Lord. When it comes to waiting, many times some people will think this, that waiting is sitting around doing nothing, and that's not waiting on the Lord. We're going to look at that here in just a second. The idea behind waiting on the Lord is not a passive sitting around until the Lord does something. Well, I hope God does something today. I'm just going to sit on the couch and do nothing, right? I hope hope God shows up. No, we've got a job to do, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. But it's interesting to me that God brings strength to us When we seek him and rely on him instead of relying on our own strength. When I choose to wait on God, on his timing, and I choose to trust him, and rather than taking matters into my own hands, which is so tempting to do from time to time, when I choose to wait on the Lord, he will give me the strength to continue waiting and the strength to see god's promises through to see the fulfillment of the promise through but the question always comes up right like well if god loves us why does he make us wait if he loves me why would god make me wait so long years sometimes to see the promises that are in his word that he wants for me if he really wants those promises for me why would he make me wait and i want to remind you of a few verses second peter 3 8 says this but you must not forget this one thing dear friends A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. (laughs) A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that interesting? It's such a great reminder that many times what we think is waiting is actually not waiting to God. Waiting for us sometimes is not waiting for God. His time table his the way he views time his perspective on time is so much different than ours his time does not operate on our time another verse I want to remind you of is Isaiah 558 says this my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord I'm going to stop there <laughs> for a second this is why it's a great reminder that you we need to daily be praying and confessing that we have the mind of Christ. For this verse right here is a great reminder. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Lord, today I want to think your thoughts. I thank you that your word says I can have the mind of Christ, that I can have wisdom, that I can have spiritual insight into what you want from me, that I have discernment in situations and in conversations and in relationships. We begin, to, we begin to confess that and speak that and stand on that. God wants to reveal himself to us. Um, and it's important that we ask for it because many times his thoughts are nothing like our thoughts. And if we want to see all that God has for us, we need to tap into his perspective. Let's continue. Uh, he says, and My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. i want to remind you of this. When it comes to waiting on the Lord, God is not late, number one, and he is not deaf. God is not late and he is not deaf. He, he simply operates on a different timetable and has a far greater perspective than we do. So many times we get can get frustrated with God. God, where are you? God, why haven't you shown up? Why am I still praying for this, believing for this, but I haven't seen it yet? God, where are you? And we got to remind ourselves, look, his ways, his thoughts are so much higher than ours. He operates on a different timetable and he has a far greater perspective. And so here's what I want to do. I want to remind you of three spiritual truths about waiting on the Lord. Three spiritual truths about waiting on the Lord. Because here's the thing, if you follow Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you will have a waiting season at some point in your life. And if you've said, I've never had one, guess what? You got one coming up, I guarantee you. And maybe you're in one, I wanna give you some encouragement today on how to see it through. Maybe you're just coming out of one, I wanna help you remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God and what he's brought you through. So the reminder number one is this, point number one, there is purpose in the waiting. There is purpose in the waiting. If we're going to increase in waiting and waiting on the Lord, uh, we have to remind ourselves there, there's purpose in it. Lord, Lord, what's going on? There's purpose in it. God always has a greater purpose when he asks us to wait. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to look at a story from John chapter 11. And this is when Jesus finds out that his friend Lazarus is sick and, and basically on his deathbed. Lazarus is on his deathbed. He's on the brink of death. And and he gets, Jesus gets this report and they're saying, Jesus, please come and heal him. If you don't, he is going to die. And let's pick up. I'm not going to read the whole story, but we're going to read some highlights from it. In John 11, starting in verse five, it says, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So Jesus gets this urgent report. Hey, if you don't come with us right now, Lazarus is is probably going to die. And what is Jesus response? He waits two more days. Sounds confusing. Seems frustrating. If you are one of the ones, the messengers that needs to go back and uh, and are supposed to responsible to taking Jesus to Lazarus could be very frustrating. What is going on? Why is Jesus not coming right now? Like, Lord, We got to go now or Lazarus is done for. Uh, Let's continue on. Finally, Jesus agrees and he goes two days later. And so John 11, skip down to verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. So at this point in the story, Lazarus has passed away. So she goes out to meet Jesus and she says, Lord, what took you so long? Basically, and I I would raise this question. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that situation? Can you relate to to thinking to yourself, Lord, why haven't you shown up yet? Lord, I'm waiting. I've been waiting. I felt like the timeline that I was waiting on was so urgent. You were supposed to be here a day ago. You were supposed to be here five years ago, Lord, what, where are you? Or Lord, where, if you had only been here, things would be different. And so here's what happens. We have a very interesting situation. Again, could be very frustrating, frustrating and heartbreaking for the family of Lazarus here, but Jesus talks with Mary and Martha. And finally he he convinces them and they go and they go to the tomb where Lazarus body is laid. And and this is where we're going to pick up John eleven verse thirty eight. It says this: Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Now, what was he angry about? A couple of things, I believe. I believe he was number one. He was angry at death. He's he. He defeated death on the cross. Eventually he would. At this point, he hadn't yet. But Jesus and death, they do not go hand in hand. He is not the author of death or destruction. No, he brings life and life abundantly. And so he was passionate and angry, had a righteous anger towards death and what it did to people's families. But I think also part of this is scripture tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, so many people were heartbroken and devastated and without hope even when Jesus showed up, that I think it might've even frustrated him a little bit because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So was it pleasing that they had no faith? No, obviously it wasn't. So Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave, uh, which was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone away, roll it aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, uh, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. She says, Jesus, hold on. He's been dead. He's long gone. Like even if you were going to raise him from the dead, you should have came like a day later, two days, three days tops. But I want you to remember that. Four days. It's been four days. Let's skip down to verse 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. They rolled the stone away. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet uh, bound in grave clothes, his, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. So Jesus does this crazy miracle. Lazarus has been dead and he's definitely dead. But here's the question. If there's purpose in the waiting, why the delay? What's the purpose then? Lord, why did you wait two days when you could have saved this entire situation and we didn't have to go and wrap him, prepare him for burial, put him in there, roll the stone in front? Like, why did we go through all of this, Lord? Why the delay? And here's what's interesting. In this time... The Jews believed that the spirit of the person that just died would stay nearby the body for up to three days. It was, it was almost a thought or a belief that there was still a, a possibility that the person who passed away a day, two, three days tops, that they could come back to life. They would have hopes that the spirit would bring the body back to life. But after three days all hope was lost, which that gives us perspective into the story of Jesus and, and, and being in the grave for three days and, on the, third, and on, on the third day coming back to life. Anyway, we won't get into all that. But uh, after three days, the, all hope was lost. Uh, there, there's no possible way. There's no even religious way that this person could come back to life. And so here's what happens. Jesus purposefully waited until it was physically impossible scientifically impossible, even religiously impossible before showing up to do the impossible. Let me, let me say that again. Jesus purposefully waited until it was physically impossible, scientifically impossible, even religiously impossible before showing up to do the impossible. Why? Why would he do that? And here's why. Because at this point in the story, because now after on the fourth day, the only one, the only person who can get glory for this story is the almighty God. He's, he's eliminated anything else, anyone else that could get glory or could it give an explanation for how Lazarus is back to life. He, he dismisses all of it. And now at this point, you look at this story, you read this story and all you can say is, wow, that is the true God, The most high God, the one who is real, who brings life where there is death. Now, the only person who can get glory is the almighty God. There is purpose in the waiting. Why the delay? And I would say this, God wants to reveal his glory in your situation. So though you may not understand, though God may not be operating on your timetable, just like he wasn't operating on on Mary and Martha's timetable. Lord, come now. And he waits two more days. What are we doing here, Lord? He's not operating on our timetable, but there is purpose. And God will bring his glory and reveal his glory in your waiting and in your situation. Point number two is this. There are lessons in the waiting. There's purpose in the waiting and there are lessons in the waiting. Why does God make us wait? Here's a great explanation for that. Sometimes what God wants to do inside of us is of greater concern to him than what he wants to do around us. Let me say that again. Sometimes what God wants to do inside of us is of greater concern to him than what he wants to do around us or in our situation. Uh, There's no idle waiting from god's perspective there's no wasted time if you're in a waiting season there's something that god is doing whether it's inside of you or in your situation that you're not aware of there's always something going on god's always doing more than you think he is uh, a great example of this is the story of joseph joseph received a promise from god at age 17 a dream a vision of what his life would be like and he goes out and once he do he tells his brothers hey someday you guys are going to bow down to me and and, and worship me and i'm going to be the greatest of all you guys His brothers weren't too happy about that. He receives this this dream at age 17, but then he proceeds to wait at least or roughly 13 years for it to come to pass. So he receives a dream and now he's in a waiting season, 13 years. Well, what is happening in the 13 years? The 13 years were not idle years. He wasn't sitting on his dad's couch saying, well, hey, any day my brothers are gonna come in here in the living room and bow down to me and that's how it's gonna happen. No, they weren't idle years. He was learning lessons along the way. I don't have time to break down every single one of these lessons, but let me give you a highlight reel of the lessons that Joseph learned while he was in a waiting season. The first one was this it was a lesson on pride. What, what was it? Hey, uh, when God gives you a dream, uh, don't go out and brag about it to your brothers who are supposed to be you know, bowing down to you. He had a, a lesson on pride, he learned a lesson about being in the pit. Hey, what do you do whenever everyone you know and love abandons you? He had a, a lesson on being in the palace. How do you serve faithfully? He had a lesson on purity. How do I walk and live above reproach? He had a lesson on being in the prison. What do you do when people wrongfully accuse you? He had a lesson on being and operating in the prophetic. What do I do when God gives me a word? How do I, how would I steward it? And then lastly, he had a, a lesson on prosperity. How do I manage money well? How do I manage a situation well when God uh, prospers me in a land? And through those lessons, what do we see? He finds his purpose in life, the dream it comes to pass. And so Joseph is able to live it out, but he had to learn lessons in the waiting season. And I think we can honestly pull out three lessons that every person has to go through or learn when you're in a waiting season, there's three lessons that are kind of generic lessons. So let me break those down really quick. Lesson number one is this: is trust. When you're in a waiting season, you got to learn to trust. You have to learn to trust God because nothing is making sense. And if you've been in a waiting season, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What is taking so long, Lord? Where are you? Uh, Proverbs three five and six says this: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. When I'm in a waiting season, I've got to make a decision. I'm going to learn to trust God like I never have before, greater than I ever have before. Lord, I trust you, even though I may not understand. Lesson number two is humility. I've got to learn humility. Waiting on God, when I'm in a waiting season, when I'm waiting on God, it reminds me that I am not in charge and it's not all about me. When I'm I'm waiting on God, it reminds me, it humbles me. Hey, you know what? I'm not in charge. And uh, this world doesn't revolve around me. First Peter five, verse six says this. If you will humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God in his good time, he will lift you up in your time when you want it to happen. No, in his good time, he will lift you up. Where does it start? Humility. Lord, I thank you. That's not about me, Lord. not what I want, but your will be done. And he can move in that. Lesson number three is perspective. Lesson number three is perspective. So so what do we see? It's trust, it's humility, and perspective. Those are three lessons that everybody has to learn in a waiting season. Many times we're waiting for God to change our circumstance that's what we think our waiting season is. Lord, if you'll just change what's going on around me, change my, my, uh, my job, change the situation. Lord, bring that promise. Lord, fulfill what you said you would do. We're thinking God's going to change our circumstance when many times God is trying to change us. Uh, let me say it again. Many times we're waiting for God to change our circumstance when God is trying to change us us in the waiting season. And usually the biggest thing that God wants to change is your vision. He wants to change your perspective. What's he want to do? He wants to help you tap into his perspective, his thoughts, and his plan. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not about what I see in front of me. No, it's actually, Lord, what does your word say? I'm going to choose to trust that Think that, speak that, and believe that until I see it come to pass while I'm in this waiting season. So if you're in a waiting season, a great prayer is this, Lord, help me learn the lessons that you need me to learn so I can experience all that you have for me. Lord, I'm in a waiting season. Help me learn the lessons that you need me to learn so that I can can graduate. I had a pastor growing up. He would say this, God's not going to let you go to second grade until you pass first grade. Lord, I'm here. Is there something I'm missing, something I haven't learned yet, something I can learn from, something I need to change, something I need to fix, something I need to repent about or make right? Lord, show me so that I can get out of the way so you can move me when you want me to move. So there are lessons. There's purpose in the waiting. There are lessons to be learned in the waiting. Just look at Joseph. He learned plenty of things. And here's why. Why are there lessons in the waiting? Joseph could not have done what God called him to do without a waiting season full of lessons. Joseph could not have stood in the in the in the seat or been in the seat that God had for him if he hadn't learned those lessons in the waiting season. He learned so many things, key fundamental things, even languages and, and learning new, uh, new ideas and, and new skill sets in the waiting season. So when God opened the door for his purpose to be fulfilled, he could stand there and he could do all that God was asking him to do. So there's purpose in the waiting. There are lessons to be learned in the waiting. And then finally, number three is this. And I'll close with this. There is blessing at the end of the waiting. There is blessing At the end of the waiting. And one of the perfect stories that I could pick out from God's word for talking about this is the story of Abraham and Sarah. They want to have kids, but Sarah is barren. They're getting older in age and Abraham eventually, he's 75 years old when God begins to tell him and hint at him and show him his plan for his life. He's 75 And God starts talking to him about how he's going to have kids and his generations after him will be great. And and finally, what we see is this. God tells him, hey, you're going to have a son. And what he doesn't realize, though, is that he's going to have to roughly wait for another 25 years. Lord, you said, you you started telling me about your plans, but Lord, I, I didn't realize it was going to take 24, 25 years for this to actually come to pass but I want to remind you that there is blessing at the end of the waiting because Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they were faithful and they were righteous and they walked with God. They got to experience the blessing that God had for them. Look at Genesis 21 verses one through two. It says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. He was 100 when he, she gave birth. It says this, This happened at just the time God had said it would. Man, that's, that's a great summary of everything we're talking about today. This happened at just the time that God said it would. Did it happen when Abraham said it would happen? No. When Sarah said it would happen? No. When God said it would happen and when we increase in our waiting, we get to increase in the blessings of God because scripture shows us and I would encourage you just to just Google uh, verses about waiting on the Lord and you're going to see how waiting on the Lord promotes um, growth, perseverance, strength strength. It promotes spiritual maturity, how God does so much in the waiting season. And there is a blessing beyond what you can imagine when we choose to increase in our waiting. In fact, let me remind you just some heroes of the faith that, that if you know God's word at all, you've heard their names, right? Joseph, we just talked about him. He waited 13 years. David, he waited 14 years to see God's fulfillment. Abraham waited 25 years. Jesus waited 30 years. Moses waited 40 years. And so it's a great reminder that if you're waiting, you are in good company. In fact, I would say this, God does his best work after a waiting season. God oftentimes does his best work after a waiting season, but we have to be faithful to steward the waiting season. Well, Waiting is not sitting around waiting for God to move. No, waiting is actively pursuing what God has for us. I'm pursuing, I'm learning lessons along the way. I'm learning to trust God more than ever before. I'm reminding myself of God's faithfulness and what he's going to do when he blesses me. I'm reminding us that God has a greater purpose in what's going on in my life. But I want to wrap up with this and I want to say this. So hear me, hear my heart. If you're in a waiting season, you know, sometimes it can be easy to preach these types of messages and just to pull out uh, God's word and and to share it. It, it, I say it's easy to share the message. It's easy to say, well, just be patient. Well, you're just in a waiting season. Uh, And and when I say that or when you hear me say that today, I want to make sure that you know I'm not making light of your situation. The other thing that I'm not doing is I'm not just looking at you saying, well, you just need to toughen up and wait it out. That's not my heart. That's not my heart. And I say that because my wife, Leslie, and I have been in several waiting seasons throughout our life and our time together. In fact, even right now, we're in in, uh, year seven of a waiting season uh, personally for things that we want and believe that God's doing and going to do in our life. I know, I know about the waiting season. I've been in those seasons. I am in a season like that. And I know that it's tough. And I know and I understand the tears that you've shed. Wondering and asking and pleading like Mary and Martha, Lord, if you would have just been here. Lord, if you would have just shown up sooner, I wouldn't be here right now. I know the times that you've spent, and I can relate to the times that you've spent Sitting on your bedroom floor, or the living room floor, crying out to God, saying, Lord, where are you when you're in a waiting season? So hear my heart today. I'm not here to make light or just to say, hey, you just need to be tougher. <laughs> That's not it. But I do want to show you that God is working even in the waiting. That's what I want you to hear today. You may say, I'm waiting and I've done all that I know to do. I don't know what else to do. And here's what I would encourage you. You got to go one day at a time. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know how I can face another disappointment. And the only thing I can tell you is that God's already in tomorrow and he's already waiting for you there. And this is not in my notes, but I feel like just led and prompted by the Holy Spirit to share this with you. How can I face tomorrow? God tells us, his word tells us in several scriptures, he's already in tomorrow. So how can you face tomorrow? It's because Jesus is there waiting for you. And he's saying, would you trust me, son? Would you trust me, daughter? Would you just meet me in tomorrow? Don't give up. Don't stop now. Keep waiting. Keep learning. Keep trusting. Keep humbling yourself. I I'm waiting for you in tomorrow. Come meet me in tomorrow. And before you know it, your waiting season will be over. And you'll look back and you'll see that man, all of that time was not wasted time. The waiting time was not wasted, that God used it to impact me, to change me. He used it to bless other people. And now you will have a story and someday you will have a story To share of God's faithfulness even in a waiting season so waiting is not a popular thing but it is a godly thing and when we increase our willingness to wait on the Lord we will experience all that God has for us when I increase my willingness to wait increase in waiting It's everything in me, it's not natural to wait. Our culture says, don't wait, go now. I want it now, but no, I'm gonna choose to trust, I'm gonna choose to wait. But how do we stay encouraged while we wait, in the waiting? Remember, number one, there is purpose in the waiting. God is doing more, always doing more than you think he is. Number two, second reminder, there are lessons in the waiting. Ask, Lord, help me be teachable. Help me learn so that I can move forward. And then finally, number three, be encouraged that there is blessing at the end of the waiting. And I want to remind you of this. If God promised it, you can experience it. If God promised it, you can experience it as a child of the living God. You can experience it. You have access to it through the name of Jesus. He doesn't want you just to know about his promises. God wants you to experience his promises. And let me remind you of this. You're one day closer. If you're in a waiting period and you say, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know how much more I can take. Remind yourself at the end of every day, Lord, thank you that I'm one day closer to seeing the blessing that's at the end of this waiting season. If you're in waiting season, be encouraged. You're in good company. All the heroes of the faith had a waiting, waiting season. God does his best work after a waiting season. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And right now, Lord, I just lift up my brothers my sisters to you in Christ. I lift up my church family to you. And Lord, I just pray and I ask that for any one of us that are in a waiting season, as so many of us are right now, Lord, I pray that you would help us see your word for for the truth that it is. I thank you that you would remind us of your word that waiting is not a wasted time. Waiting is a time where you can do more than we could ever imagine. And Lord, I pray that during this waiting season, I pray that you would give us strength and perspective, that you would help us have the mind of Christ in everything that we're doing so that we can see. Your plan, so that we can continue to be encouraged in what you're doing, and, and we can learn lessons along the way, so we're prepared for our next step. And Lord, I thank you that as we get through our waiting seasons, I pray that when we experience the blessing, Lord, would you help us slow down and give you all the glory and all the praise and say, Look what God did. Not look what we did, not look what somebody else did in our life. No. Lord, we want to give you the glory. We want to to spread your kingdom through testimony and through stories of what you're doing in our lives. Help us slow down. We want to be careful to give you all the glory for the good things that you have for us. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.